Design should be a vitalizing process, right? It creates new vitality. The secret about these frameworks is that they don't replace intuition. They hone it. It's one of the key things in permaculture. You start with a system that's been depleted of all those transformational exchanges and relationships, and you start to help it rebuild them. So it's actually managing multiple relationships and exchanges of nutrients and genetic material and so on. Okay, everybody, welcome on back to the Making Permaculture Stronger podcast. This is Dan Palmer, and I have a huge announcement, huge for me at least, which is right here and now I'm officially declaring the launch of an in-house crowdfunding campaign towards the Making Permaculture Stronger book. Some of you may have known this has been in progress for a while, and not only are we on track to wrap this thing up this year, this incredible team of volunteers, myself, Renata Siegman, a Brazil-based illustrator, and my long-term friend and collaborator in this space, James Andrews, who's based here in Aotearoa with myself and is acting as the editor. We we're trying to raise a modest sum to get this thing across the line, so please drop everything you're doing right now, unless you're driving, like, you know, pull over first, uh, and head to makingpermaculturestronger.net slash book. Check out the video we've made, meet the team, and we welcome and are so grateful for any support toward the creation of this book that we hope will be a potent educational resource for permaculture designers around the world. Okay, let's move on to today's episode. <clears throat> Sometimes I find myself inside a dialogue that deeply meets me where I am and lifts me up. Lifts me up to a place with more clarity, more vitality, and more possibility. This dialogue I'm about to share with Pamela Mang was one of these situations. A long-term friend and colleague of Carol Sanford, who has been on this show four times now, and a member of the group that originated Regenesis Group back in 1995, a group including Ben Haggard and Joel Glansberg, both have been on the show, and more recently that includes Bill Reed, another repeat appearer on the show. Pamela's been working in the field of regenerative design, resourcing, development for many decades, and in 2016 uh, co-authored the book Regenerative Design and Development with Ben Haggard. She is also a part of the faculty of the uh, Regenesis Institute, which among other things hosts the regenerative practitioner training that I know a lot of people have done and got a lot of value from. Um, and I learned that there's, they call them TRPs, starting in New, both New Zealand and Australia pretty soon. So I'll link to that stuff uh, on the show notes at makingpermaculturestronger.net. Uh, you can find out more about Regenesis at regenesisgroup.com and the Regenesis Institute. It's just the word regenerates. So uh, regenerate with an S on the end. And the dot is before the ES. We explore living design process, which is such a joy to have Pamela's attentive framework-powered uh, acuity resourcing me in my, in my ongoing development of living design process with colleagues. And you can find out more about living design process at livingdesignprocess.org. Oh, yes, I almost forgot. You're going to get so much more out of this episode if you hit pause. If you hit pause, go get a pen or pencil and piece of paper and come back and hit unpause. All right, so here you are with your pen or pencil and piece of paper. What I want you to do is draw a diamond shape on your piece of paper. I'll do it with you to make sure I give you the right instructions. And so you've got the four points, one at the top, one at the bottom, and one to the left, one to the right. Starting on the left, write the word ground. Ground. And then below that, and now I'm going to start giving the Regenesis group specific names for these four different points on what they call a tetrad of regenerative development. So underneath ground on this left-hand point, write place-sourced potential. And then on the right-hand point, you write the title goal. And underneath that, regenerative capability. Then on the topmost point, you can write direction. Title, titles, direction, and then the name underneath is vocation of place. And then on the bottommost point, 
you write instrument and then underneath that co-evolving mutualism don't worry about it yet it'll make more sense in the episode last two things are you can draw a little line between the left and right points and call that next to that line right motivation and then from the top to the bottom point so line going straight down um, you can draw another, draw another little line and put the word uh, means on that and that'll give you a lot of useful a very useful reference point if you really want to engage with what Pamela shares in the episode okay huge thanks to Pamela for what was such a thoroughly enjoyable and vitalizing dialogue if you even get 10% of what I got out of it you are going to deeply enjoy let's jump in with Pamela and I'll catch you in the next episode bye for now one thing I was reflecting on before the call was I've gotten to understand that regeneration is not a it's it's an ongoing affair it doesn't stop it doesn't end or finish there's no ceiling there's only a ceiling if there's a ceiling to evolution yeah yeah endless and with making permaculture stronger there's i've had a sense for a little while now that that it's, it's really relevant to regenerate its um its aim you know the strategy mm-hmm. of employing yeah. and so on really really freshen it up and come back to the to the bigger aspirations and potentials and so on and so any resourcing or any, any just be in conversation about that and just have any any questions any insights any clarity is, is super valuable so yeah i'm really i'd be i'd be really into that and also really happy to you know, tune into what's alive in this world for you what's firing you up well let's let's work on i mean i think I was a little intrigued by your questions around the uh, challenges you're experiencing mm-hmm. around, as I recall, one of them was how do you make it more, you use the term uh, in awareness, I would say it's more with bring it into consciousness. Mm. And um, how do you get people to, to shift from restraining to actually inviting was sort of, it's one, was that, was that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that, so those are, those are two things I've been sitting with. Firstly, is this the struggle I've experienced, and having having had my own moment of clarity around, oh my gosh, like I call it the how question. Like the 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 nature of the process we use um, has such an enormous impact impact on the quality of of the outcome, and and so process matters, and we be, we can become more conscious of process and bring more ongoing consciousness to process and and shift it in ways that really help us do what we're trying to do and yet the struggle has been that it, it, it feels like somehow process is in a cultural blind spot in general and also in permaculture mm-hmm. to, to bring it into onto the table of of attention either it's invisible it's, it's just let's just jump to the strategies and techniques and put the elements together or it's very outcome focused or there's a sense that we've already we've already solved that. We already know what a healthy process is. And as soon as I start to look and sort of scratch around a bit, it's like, hey, there's a whole lot of work that's really important to be done here. So what does this do? You said it does a lot more for the outcome, um, the kind of process you think design the way you're envisioning it. What is it? What more does it do for the outcome? How would you describe that? The working premise here that's been borne out so far in my own experience is that something like the, which, which is deeply inspired by the architect Christopher Alexander, is something like the, as of the process solve the outcome or the, the nature of the process infuses the outcome. And if we use a mechanical process, then the outcome itself will have a mechanical character. Whereas if we, if we can engage a process that is, is itself alive, and in harmony with how the rest of life works and creates, then the outcomes we're able to produce almost as a byproduct will have that life. So what, what, do, you, what do you include when you measure outcome? Well, my mainstay has been working with folks that have had a tree change. They've bought a rural property, 5, 10, 50, 100 acres in the countryside. And my playground and practice place for a lot of the stuff has been being engaged by them to support them, their development in terms of developing relationship with the land over time. And so the outcomes I've been focused on there are the actual evolving configuration of this landscape, where dams are, where roads are, where, where trees and so on go. 
And then over time, I've realized that this thinking applies to the creation of anything, a relationship or an organization, an event, a podcast or, or, or whatever it is, that, that the quality of the process we use to create the thing massively infuses or contributes to the quality of the outcome. And so, and so and, and part of where it comes from for me is when I walk around in, in, in the natural world and, and living ecologies, and I see all these things, trees and blades of grass and little birds, fantail yesterday flitting around, came inside the office. They're so replete with life, aliveness and, and beauty. And the processes that were engaged in their creation were alive. And so my, my interest has been, well, what would it mean? The question is, what would it mean if the processes we as humans engaged? Because often our aspiration is to create things that are alive and adapted and whole and so on. What if the process, processes we use to try and contribute to or create these outcomes were themselves alive? You know, what, what does that even mean? And then taking guidance from Christopher Alexander, realizing, hey, we can get quite clear and precise on what that does and doesn't mean. Um, and this is a really important conversation. And a lot of making permaculture struggles things like, hey, guess what? This is really important. Listen, please, let's do this. And the overall response, there's certainly been an amazing response, but overall, a little lackluster, I guess, and um, yeah. has, I wouldn't say it's made a particularly significant influence on permaculture's center of gravity because the core of permaculture is design process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's interesting. So here's one of where my questions are kind of going to is um, they're coming out of um, a way we tend to think about working on um, design, but also any a whole hierarchy of, of uh, interactive processes. Mm -hmm. And um, that is that we live sort of the basic premise. We live as humans in two worlds simultaneously. Mm -hmm. They're both within us. One is an intrinsic focused world. And the other is an extrinsically focused world. And what we tend to in this Western mechanical society is put all of our focus on that extrinsic world. Mm -hmm. So an outcome is always about something happening out there in existence that we can, in our extrinsic focus, envision and actually actualize, bring into mm -hmm. to being. And what we tend to ignore is there's a whole intrinsic world that is working with inner vitalization and spirit and will and who we're trying to become and to create and what to create in the world and how do we stay focused on that and can we connect those two processes and that that's what makes it really living and what it, because that's what's the source of the vitality that makes you, I can see it in your own vitality about this, uh, this process, something happens in you that, that is creating something that's vitalizing you, stretching and moving you beyond limits that you thought were, were limits before, right? All of that, all of that is about the inner development that's happening because you've made a commitment to this process. And so the question, the reason why I was asking all of that was if I were to think about a living systems design, there's the outcome out there that happens in terms of bringing forth or enabling the bringing forth. We don't really bring them forth the, a, a true, the evolution of a living system in the world mm -hmm. and through building its capacity to evolve itself. But then what happens on the inner world of the humans who are involved in that process? What, are they being able to envision an image, an end state, a dream that leads them to suddenly mm -hmm. test new boundaries and feel new vitality and create a new understanding of who they are and who they can be? And when we put those two outcomes side by side as totally interwoven, then we approach getting people interested in something called a living systems design or, or whatever quite differently than, um, and I, I, I love Christopher Alexander's work. It was brilliant, but 
that wasn't his concern. And so he's, he came out of the world of architecture and jo joined with it. Um, how do, can we see process and structure in living forms and, and did a, a, it was a great contribution, but it's that inner world aligning with how we work on our outer world would be the question I would ask yeah, yeah. As, as the focus that's, that may not be, I don't know, may, may be not getting the attention that would allow you to start to evoke spirit in people about this as opposed to, yeah, we do that. Mm, yeah, this is rich. It's really delicious to hear. Yeah, the framing and the framing. <coughs> I, I do have the perspective that in, in his later work, he's, he wrote a masterwork called <coughs> Alexander, in a way, maybe came to a similar discovery and put a lot more emphasis on how do we how do we evoke and bring bring the inner world of people, their own in, internal life and dreams and fears and yeah. To he shifted to, towards that a lot more at the end of his life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it, it, it deeply resonates with my own evolution. Initially, I was very, well, initially outcome focused, like I was a permaculture design expert, a consultant, and, and I was engaged to give people an outcome, to give them a plan that said, here's, here's your outcome. And then as I became disillusioned with that, as I know Ben and Joel and many um, experienced permaculture colleagues have become disillusioned for various reasons, my focus moved more to to the dynamics of the process. And then over time within that, the power of this resourcing framing. So I went from a consultant selling outcomes, selling plans to a process facilitator. And then more recently, the focus has been more about how do I resource the people I'm working with in the sense of return them to themselves as a source. And the language you just shared really, it resonates with the aspiration at least, which is we are alive. You know, we are expressions of life, of aliveness. And inside of us that's what we are and that's often been I feel like it's been um, uh, encased or encrusted or kind of crushed in the in, in the socialization process which has invited us to be in a sense cogs in a machine and yet that's there in, in all of us and I feel like it's there in even in mainstream architects and developers somewhere deep inside and so how can I how can I rekindle that and invite that into conversation? And like, yes, yes, that, that thing that just sparked in your eyes, that is relevant. Let's, what's in there? And then how do we, how do we bring that into this conversation about process and outcomes? So yeah, like bringing the, the intrinsic and the extrinsic together. Yeah. And I'm excited to consider to reflect on what would that mean for making permaculture stronger as a, as a, as a project? Well, so what, and I'm sorry, I didn't have the time to look at all the material, but um, I know from the sort of standard design, permaculture design process, and it's been a long time, but I was with Tim and um, Ben and Joel ex sort of exposed to all of that mid nineties, <laughs> that's a long time ago, as we were first starting to come together to create this strange creature. And the, the, I guess, so tell me what, now what would you say, um, I know you said like the observation assessment is the first step in the standard sort of permaculture design process. What is the first step in the living systems design process? Yeah, I'm calling it living design process. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, living design, living design process. Yeah, yeah. So permaculture has, has adopted that flowchart type thinking by large we, we observe we finish that don't rush ahead finish that now we design okay we've got a good clear design in a detailed design or a master plan yeah. tick you know check and then now let's implement it and right. having implemented it let's evaluate it and oh hang on it's it's not quite that simple well let's let's draw the line in the circle and now we've got a you know that that kind of thing and or and sometimes there's webs and spirals and so on other variations on that theme but it's ultimately tweaking this existing linear mechanical flow so think about an actual project what's the first step that you go through in using the living design yeah, yeah. process sorry um what's the first step that you go through in that so at a high level i call it immersing immersing in people immersing in place 
And then within that. What? Okay, great. What's that, that involved? So, yeah, so within this immersing moment or focus or quality, I use the word drop. So dropping into the hole. Does it sound a bit, might be a bit poetic, but dropping into the hole with your entire body mind. So initially just really dropping in and using all of our capacities, all of our modalities, not just our intellect, but all feelings and energetically and so on, really dropping in and starting to get a sense of the, of the vibe or the pulse or the energy of this particular place and these particular people. Initially in an, in a non, in an unthematic way, where, where it's more about just getting a sense, letting, letting it land in us without going out or projecting or trying to answer anything or arrive at any conclusions or positions. And then gradually letting that um, move into, I call it honing, starting to tease things apart a little bit mm -hmm. more. And notice the way that these unique humans and this unique place that they're looking to get into an ongoing developmental relationship with, how are they currently organized? Like how... What, what, right. in a way, what are the organs? How, how are they patterned? Yeah. How are they currently patterning themselves? What are the yes. systemic relationships? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and also, how's that moving? Where's that hitting? Because it's always dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you do with that? So, this immersing um, focus leads to a not it culminates in because it all, it all keeps folding in on itself, but we, we arrive at some clarity. So one of the things we want to get clear on is what's your core intention here? Let's get really clear on what's your aim, your underlying aim or intent. A, a deep answer to the question, why are you here? Why are you doing this? Why are you engaging on this, on this journey? And often people this give me- This is the client that- Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wanting, wanting to tune into, to drop into them and then eventually hone in. And, and often this is having to really roll up my sleeves and interactively engage with them to support them to, in a sense, tell me what they want deep down to articulate that where what they initially tend to share is more is generic or we want permaculture or we want to have an abundant, sustainable oasis of regeneration or, you know, whatever, whatever generic phrase that could apply to a million projects around the world, wanting to, to get to something that's more of a unique expression of them and, and touches on some of that really deep intrinsic stuff of what's in there heart and soul so often there's tears and you know that, that, there's that kind of and one thing i'll mention too is that this journey has already been deeply informed and had value added to it from living systems thinking so for example one of the ways i often format that that work is with uh, the task cycle purpose systemic purpose statement which um you know i've learned from joel and from uh, mm -hmm. bill and but I, I have found that really useful in terms of bringing in that nestedness of, of, of the different, of different layers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So is it, are you looking for what they're, why they're trying to do what they're trying to do, or are you looking at what their sort of dream is, what they're moving towards? And because this is the, when we start with a place and that somebody's living in wants to make some changes too. And I guess it's, let me, let me pull back. Um, the question what I'm trying to get to is design should be a vitalizing process, right? Yeah. It creates new vitality, new energies that can source different orders of health, different orders of understanding and so on. And so is your experience that it's clearly that for you, it's clearly a vitalizing process. Yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering how much your, the, the, this immersing process is, how it, well does that work for you in getting people to experience uh, new orders of vitality in themselves? Is that the experience people have out of that? It, it, common, it quite commonly is, yeah. Yeah, in, right. in, a, in a few different ways. Yeah. So how do you talk about it beforehand? And how do you begin to get them to image the process so they can actually start to tap into that uh, vitalizing process before you start them get them to sign the contract or to yeah, yeah, start okay. all the immersion and, yeah. and honing and so on? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, well, I usually have the equivalent of a goodness of fit meeting. And sometimes I draw a little, a few sketches with, with a Venn diagram. Here's you, here's this place, here's me. And what this conversation is about is finding out to what degree those three things overlap. You know, what, what would bring this place alive, what would bring you alive, and what would bring me alive. And if there's a decent overlap, um, we've got a conversation. And one thing I'm doing more, I've started doing more, is bringing more consciousness to exactly what you're saying. And that, so that, that even you saying that vitalizes me, that design is a vital, I haven't used that language, design should be or could be, has a potential to be a vitalizing process to bring that from the very beginning. So I'm even inside that conversation, I'm already immersing in what's going on. Who are these people? And I remember situations, for example, when there was four adults on a property, two, two families, two houses, and the two men um, had done permaculture courses. One of them had done some stuff with me. And so they invited me in. And their, their frame and their partner's frame was the, he's the Dan Palmer, the design expert. And within about 10 minutes, the, the two women, they, they still refer back to the experience of like, oh my God, we have a place in this process. We just thought he was going to come in and we, you know, we were going to have a cup of tea and a bit of small talk. And then we would step to the side and the guys and Dan would sort it out and he'd give us a plan. But within 10 minutes, he had us, he, we, he invited us to close our eyes. And we were like, he was taking us in this kind of guided meditation into how, how would it be in five years or whatever. And we we're like, we can do this. This is our kind of stuff. And oh my God, we can we can contribute something. So they they were enormously vitalized, realizing that, oh my gosh, we we can participate this in, in this. And there's this sense in which I want to be handing over as much responsibility as is appropriate from the beginning. Because often the people are actually outsourcing responsibility. Oh, here's this expert, he'll take responsibility for designing our property or telling us what to do. And so I play that game to an extent because initially they, they're you know, often lost in just learning and so on. But from the very beginning, getting across that I want you to be stepping into the potential here for you to take responsibility of your life and your process and getting to know your place. And so I'm going to be giving you homework in terms of the process and you know, getting, trying to get across that I want to be resourcing you rather than imposing mm. the answers on you, that kind of thing. So that, yeah, that, that's often the focus early on. And often work, like part of me that immersing in that very first engagement is scanning for the sparks of life. You know, someone mentioned something, might be chickens or I don't know, like um, a particular kind of tr cherry tree or something. And there's a little spark of life in the energy. And so treating that as a little door. Okay, let's open that. Tell me, speak more to that. Let's, let's find what's underneath that, underneath that and so on until we get to something that's really raw and unique. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it feels like you've got a way to connect. I mean, this is, I'm tracing it against a lot of what we do mm. and developed. Um, and I'm sure you've seen the, um, the framework, we call it a tetra, the four-term system with the, the, for regenerative development that we developed what, <clears throat> about 15 years ago. Um, the, um, the that the place source potential note at the ground point. I'm not super. I'm, I'm familiar with the Tetrad framework, and I, I vaguely maybe recall seeing Ben on a talk speak to that, but I, it's not that okay. Not that fresh yeah. in my mind. So. so you're familiar with the Tetrad. Let's talk about that a little. Maybe that's a way to kind of design because yeah, it's hard to do this without frameworks in mind. We're kind of moving around with senses and feelings and trying to move or right. Having a framework really helps hold relationships as we work on those different parts. Mm -hmm. And so the Tetrad is a, it's a great, it's an, um, a four-term system, we call it, that is the key sources that you need to bring together in any activity as humans where we wanna create something of greater value. And so that, that ground point is what's the source that can create the highest order of motivation and spirit that we want to tap into. And potential is one of the dimensions of that that has a pretty high vitality. So for us, what we put was that is it's the um, place sourced potential, not place based, but place sourced potential. Yeah, yeah. So it's the potential that comes out of this place, my role in it, 
and what I uniquely can contribute to its ability to contribute to the larger systems it's a part of. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's, we fold all of that into that's the ground point uh, for anything. And so all of our conversations start with very similar to where you are, but what we're holding in mind is a structure that has those three systems. And in each case, it's like the essence and potential that moves up and down those three systems. The, the, the three systems? The, there's the, the, the person or the project themselves. Oh, the person, yeah, the place, and then it's... It's the person, then the project. Yep. And then the, the, um, the proximate whole... For us, it's like the, the project that the we this very often work at the project itself. There's a proximate hole, which is the place. Yep. Um, and then there's a greater hole that that place is a part of. Yep. Yep. And it depends for its viability and vitality on its relationship to the greater hole. And the project, similarly with the proximate hole. So that's so we can, it's a way to hold those three nested holes in mind as we're starting to see what is the unique role that is, brings forth the essence of these people in their place. Um, it's their, you know, their project is in their place. So I'm thinking we would start with these people. What's their unique potential? And I need to sort of see what, when you're sort of searching for what lights them up, mm-hmm. it's usually that something that's connected to who they are, what they, their unique way of processing the world and unique way of being, what they're always trying to create in the world and the sort of value they're drawn to mm-hmm. is something about those unique patterns that each of us have that says from the time we're a kid, you can sort of see, ah, that's. That's exactly what Bob does. That's what Tom always does. I always see him trying to create that kind of a process or he's always going after that, that kind of end because it's just, he can't not pursue yeah. that, right? So that's, we start to see those, those are the kind of patterns we look for. Is, can we, and so I'm seeing that what, when you're listening for the spark, what we're doing is holding a framework in mind that allows us to say, mm, what is that spark? What pattern is it there? Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's a taking the pattern in the lands and seeing in the, in the humans, mm-hmm. what do they tend to respond to over and over again? How do they process it? What do they tend to see as the real value they want to generate? Is mm-hmm. there a pattern there that, that across multiple specific things they say, I can start to see? And so then I began to get a sense of, of that. That's that process of lifting that up is the first most vitalizing part of a design process. And the second part is that what's their dream? Now, can they begin to image? You're imaging something because you've been in this business. And so the, the question is, are you helping build their capability to image with you and then beyond you even mm. bring it alive for them? What that, that we call it sort of more the end state, the state that they really want to bring into being yeah. and what they'd be able to pursue and do as a result of that. And so that leads to the picture we call it in our, the framework we have for, uh, and this is on our website, uh, for regenerative development is we call that regenerative capacities is the goal point. Okay. And what they're actually then um, you're helping them begin to visualize first as a source of what they, they now have this, the state they're trying to, they want to bring into being mm-hmm. is the capacities that they'll have to continue to regenerate themselves in their place. That's for us the key thing in regeneration. And that yeah. and that whole line from ground to goal is all about the order of the motivation that you're enabling them to step up to. Does that so, make sense? Yeah, yeah, it, it does. I mean, it's oh, I I already know I'll be looking forward to re-listening to this because there's so many I, this is what I love about it. There's so many layers and frameworks within frameworks. One thing I thought I'd do is the tetra we're talking about, we go from ground to goal and then we'll touch on direction and instrument. So those are the right. and that's you know what line that is the direction to instrument no no i don't 
you've got a name for the actual okay. line. Is that's that's just as important. It's that's the what we call the means line. The means. Okay. That's, that, that you can get all the motivation in the world. Yeah. Built up a really high order vision of what uh, it can be brought into the world, new um, value and capacities. You have to operationalize it some way. Yeah. So on the means line, uh, there's something at the top that in the gen in the general frame tetra, there's it's called direction. Remember that. And then at the bottom, it's instrument. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in the regenerative development tetrad, what we put at the top is vocation. Vocation. And specifically vocation of place when we're working within um, finding our role and the role of our project, connecting it to a higher order destiny that the place we're involved in, joining with them in a sense, to really fulfill its destiny. Okay, and that's why you have the term vocation. As a, and um, the key is, do you know? We create when we're designing off on our own a sense of what's the source of direction that we can keeps us tracking on what we want to try and create. How do we create? the um, a process that where people that you're working for who have the project mm. develop that same sort of inner compass that mm. keeps them connected to the sort of sense of larger destiny they're trying to to move towards that's that's the key role of that one of the direction okay yeah like the inner compass and can i just check so, as a compass does direction help you track the journey from ground to goal? Is that the right way of thinking about it? Or how would you? So we talk about in regenerative development, direction plays two roles. There's the kind of, we call it an organizing direction, which keeps, make sure you're staying on track. You're meeting deadlines, you're setting out the clear path, you're, you're, you've got all the, the benchmarks, uh, you're hitting them, you know when you're off and you need to regroup and recreate. It keeps you hold in mind where you're, how to organize everything. Yeah. The other thing it needs to do, though, that's still ex all existence world. And you, it can really easily turn into procedures. Hmm. So yeah. how do you create a source of direction that actually keeps lifting you up and causing people to want to do more and bring more and be more? And that's what we call an ordering source of direction. Okay, yeah. So it's like I'm constantly trying to, because it's part of what working with evolution is and complexity is we're constantly moving up to be able to, to a different order of, of capacity and complexity and richness, right? So it's one of the key things in permaculture. You start with a system that's been depleted of all those transformational exchanges and relationships and you start to help it rebuild them so it's actually managing multiple relationships and exchanges of nutrients and genetic material and so on so that's moving it's you're moving it up to a different increasing orders of complexity and richness yeah. capacity to manage multiple dynamics and relationships so how do we get people to see the same thing Nature does it naturally. We just remove the obstacles to the, it doing it and it and the, off it goes. Yeah. But we've been trained just the opposite direction. So we're going to make it simpler and cleaner. That's and right, yeah. Actually, did it go down. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so what is something that we call that, it's more like a touchstone. You know, the, the, the role of a touchstone was developed to be able to test the, the purity of gold. Okay. And you would measure something and it was, didn't quite measure up to the, that purity. And so it's just, and so it, in a sense, it's like there's a North Star kind of source of direction that keeps us on track in our journey. Yeah. And then there's a touchstone that continuously calls us to be more, to be more of what we know that it, um, is we can be and more of what this place can be. And so we really want to do both and that's where the notion of, of vocation is so key right I'm, I'm talking all of this is what this is a this is a lot of what we go into in, in in the regenerative practitioner series but as i say the tetrad is out there it's public the um so the idea of when i say the term vocation what does that mean to you 
vocation in me would it evokes the rising up of what I'm uniquely able to contribute in a way that actually connects with or or shapes itself to meet a calling in the larger system, something like that. You know, it has those two those two yeah. sides to it for me. Yeah, got those two sides. Yeah, which is if we go back to this notion of potential, you need to have those two sides to ever see potential. Yeah, that that connection. And so if we're working in place, which in regenerative development, we always are in permaculture, you always are, um, then that's why we chose vocation of place as the source of direction. Mm-hmm. So this place we are in actually has a uniqueness and it has a role to play in contributing okay, to yeah. a larger system. Yeah. And so can we align what we're doing with that vocation? Can we take that on and say what we're doing is going to help this place, whether it's a farm or a community, actually step up to what it's being called to contribute to, to the world? Yeah, that's, that's powerful. I, I, one thing and, I want to say, I, lo- I love that from the beginning, it was really clear and ground. Is so often we fall back into um, interactional thinking of we're, we're helping orchestrate a healthier interaction between people and place. Whereas yeah. all deeply embedded in this is like getting away from that into nestedness. Yeah. We're all living systems. We're just, and we are internested and interdependent and our evolution is co-evolution. It's never anything less. I think that's the, that's the other piece. And that's down at the, so the instrument uh, point is what we actually use and in sort of standard world, it's like the methodologies, the technology, the meetings, um, physical instruments that we use and so on. Yeah. And we have a, a term out of complexity of science that we have on, on that tetrad as the instrument is co-evolving mutualism. All right. You heard that term? I'm not sure. I'm, I may have, like I said, I may have heard it in passing before. Like I'm, I just feel like I'm. I, 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 I've been struggling with the tetrads. This is very valuable to me. I even had Ben was kind enough to spend a, a session with me, kind of taking me through it, and I've, I've tried to apply it to a few things. But this has really helped me deepen it. So whether or not yeah. I've heard of it, I'd, I'd love you to be amazing to have you flesh that out. Well, I'm hoping that you can use it then to go back and look at the, because you've got a lot of those elements in what you described to me. What frameworks do is allow us to start to see the connectivities between them and how they enliven each other. Mm-hmm. And even, and go down and work more on one, one element and yet never lose the systemic connection. Yeah. So that this is so co-evolving mutualism is, as I said, it's, it comes out of complexity science. And the notion is that it, it is, comes back to co-evolution, um, but it's like, we cannot evolve and not be reciprocally maintaining with the whole, the whole of the system we're a part of. It's only the, the only way in which we can truly evolve with for otherwise it just it flattens out and collapses eventually and so we work on that with um, a, a variety of different things but it's where we start to really work on inner development and also starting to to create um, we actually borrowed this from uh, permaculture um, creating a guild of stakeholders a stakeholder system not just a, a bunch of different groups that we would connect with, but can we really see it as a, as a guild that is a perfect instrument for co-evolving mutualism when you look at how a guild works? Mm-hmm. And um, But instead of being focused around um, a, a keystone species, because it's a human um, co-evol- uh, guild, it's focused around the, the core purpose of it's behind the, the vocation of place. So who all is sharing in that? Um, it, who sees their own ability to, to evolve and to, to grow and become more vital and viable mm. if that, because they're connected to that sense of, of vocation being fulfilled. And so it creates a very different platform from which to start to create the kinds of interrelationships and uh, and reciprocity 
that and then continues to feed that vitality um, of, of the whole system. All yeah. right, so let me, let's pause. That's a lot of input. Let me pause for a minute and yeah, see yeah. if that, because what I'm, the reason I'm doing this is if you can see your own process in this, hmm. that's, the, that's the, the main purpose of it, is if you can start to see, oh, I do that. I hadn't thought about it that way or the, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, that, so let me stop and see, can you start yeah, to yeah. just hold? Yeah, it's super helpful. And it's great to be reminded of the power of these living systems frameworks. And, and totally the sense I have is that it's like, I've kind of stumbled in vaguely in this kind of direction and, and a lot of it's intuitive. And um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I feel like this, you know, I've developed some clarity and have different premises and so on, but nothing like the, just the multifaceted nested kind of whatever multidimensionality of these frameworks that, that all fold into each other, which just to me sizzle with clarity, so much clarity. The secret about these frameworks is that they don't replace intuition they hone it. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah which excites yeah. me because it's not like, oh shit, you know, like, you know, oh, right, back, back to the drawing board. Yeah. <laughs> Throw it all yeah. out again. Yeah, that's right. It's it's very complimentary, yeah. and it's it evokes my will to yeah to hone and sharpen and clarify where that that intuition is taking me anyway. Yeah. I wanted to say with the co-evolving mutualism too that. Co-evolution, you can I can get that the systems at different levels in a nested hierarchy can be evolving, but the mutualism brings in that bi-directional flow of value. Is that is that how it works? Like to, so, yep. those are the two ideas. You got the nestedness, the nest, nested levels of evolution happening simultaneously, and the fact that those nested levels are not independent; they're actually flowing into each other and lifting each other. It's up. both the nested levels between and among them, the nested levels, and between all of the entities that are at each level. Yeah. So it's it's really holding all of those, yeah. and and the more you're able to begin to just hold that thought is that um it, it it's got to be vit increased vitality and increased viability for all of the elements, or they're either going to drop out or try to torpedo it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sabotage. Totally. Yeah. But it also says that the you you don't just it's not a, a free-for-all. It actually has, that's the source of direction that makes the difference in that line between is that that uh, vocation, that sense of something higher that we're all called to and that we can see our uniqueness in each individual person, each individual helping see the, the as humans, we, we can appreciate and appreciate the unique essence role that each species each uh, plant animal types of soil play and all of that when as soon as we start to appreciate it suddenly we are seeing making sure that that mutuality is is sustained so anyway that's okay <laughs> it's a it's a really amazing really I'm, I'm excited i'm excited to be having this conversation and to know I'm, it's not I'm not only being well in a in a way I would like to think that co-evolving mutualism is happening now in terms of what's going to be happening for listeners, and also I'm glad that there are things like the regenerative practitioner offerings for folks that are like, oh my god, I want more, I want more, and I know quite a few listeners of this podcast have gone on to do the TRP, which is fantastic. Yeah, I know I we have quite a few people. We're just starting another enrollment in New Zealand, as a matter of fact. Oh, it's great. Opening this week. Oh, yeah, Joel, Joel um, um, sends me a message now and again. Dan, when are you, when are you, when are you doing the TRP? Because I haven't done it yet. Australia also is starting one uh, fairly soon. I don't know if it's starting this week or next week, but oh, great. they also are. So, yeah, they they would have normally started in the, um, in the spring and decided to, we're doing some restructuring and trying to make it more in-country and more attuned to the uniqueness of the country, those two countries. Oh, so great. That's yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely I'll fast track the release of this so that people have a chance you know, that, that it can line up. Yeah, it'd be great because it's and they can read more about some of this. It's on the website where yeah. it talks about yep. courses. I'll find all that link, link to all that for sure. But I, you know, and it's nice to have that out, but I really wanted to just offer it for you in terms of a way because I listening to you and reading a little bit about what I read from what you see, I could see that in the different elements within that, the different sources. 
And once you get start using that, what you'll see is like the, the lines between the direction and the goal is also a critical connection. Okay. And so the question is, you know, if you look at the vocation and what's being called is what you've laid out as a goal, is that really going to create the transformations that enable you to, to move up to that direction, source of direction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you start to see how it works as a system. Fully, yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to spending, spending time with it. I feel like in a way, because I've, I've found a lot of use, I'd say with up to three term systems, I use quite a lot, so nested holes and um, even the, the core um, process purpose value and so on. And, and yet my capacity is that's sort of the limit is, is the full term. So I feel like I've yeah. sort of crossed some sort of threshold in this conversation. It's like, I, I reckon I can, <laughs> I can, I can get there because, you know, I'll hold it for a bit and then it'll just sort of evade me. And I'm really excited to, to make a, te- a living design process specific teacher yeah. as well. And I've, yeah, I've noticed I've got lots you, of questions, but I, think, I feel like a lot of those questions I can, you know, I can. Good. Well, you've tackle. got something to discuss. You can share that structure because um, and, and now discuss it with the folks you're working with on yeah. that process and see if you can start to see where it is, what's what could be enhanced, what's. Yeah, which, which line yeah. is where right now. Yeah, I can see the value of that. I'd love to hear where you come out with that. Yeah, what yeah. You, oh, well, I'd be really happy to yeah. share. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, um, with, with Ben, we ended up, uh, he, he resourced me or he, or he kind of dragged me fumbling through a, a tetrad for permaculture, which is really helpful. So I have that as a reference point and living design process is a different thing. One thing I want to touch on with you is that at least, well, actually definitely one very fresh in my mind, but but at least probably two or three people have done the TRP and have, have then engaged with, or beforehand or in parallel, have engaged with living design process like um, Amanda Warren who, in construction and permaculture and stuff in, in based in, in up north of New Zealand, did the living design process course with me and some colleagues recently. And there was a real powerful, it felt to me like a sense of, of synergy and in particular, when it comes down to the very nitty gritty specific details of what do you do first? What do you do? What do you do next? And how do we move from a master planning approach to laying out a, a specific building or project to something that's more alive and emergent? And so I'm excited to be noticing that, that, that complementarity. And what I want to ask you is it's a lot, right? In terms of modern education, just where we're at, like a two-term or a, or a three-term framework is already a stretch for a lot of us let alone this, what you've just shared. Like a lot of people's brains are probably hurting right now or, or blown or whatever. How do you find it in terms of being able to like get from this to the practical specifics in a way that doesn't just fry people? Like are you, are you, are you succeeding or? We don't, um, let me stop, pause for a second. We're not teaching the framework to people. Okay. If you start to do that, you're, you've lost the game already. So it's not about teaching people and, and people will, will struggle with what we just walked through because they don't see the diagram. Hmm. Each one of these frameworks has a particular symbolic diagram that reflects the relationships and the, and the energy of it. Yeah. So part of it is being able to see what the actual diagram and, and then hold it in the mind. It essentially, it's structuring our thinking. Hmm. So it gives us a way to structure our thinking as we're engaging with somebody as we're observing, immersing ourselves and being to see this is beginning to provide the structure for it. So that's that's really how we use it is we're holding it in our mind to create some sort of order in our thinking as we're engaging with somebody. And, and so it's not nearly, it's not overwhelming once I just start using it in that way. Yeah. If I'm trying to teach it or learn it, it's still outside of me. It's not something that now is in the, with these, it's like they, I naturally fall into them. And, the, and all of us in Regenesis, we've used them for so long. The hazard is to get mechanical about them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. We yeah, all fall yeah. into that. Yeah. So I, we start our conversations, uh, just even the generic tetrad, 
with just ground goal, knowing that we're always, uh, what's the, what's the greatest source of motivation for this person? If I can connect to them and see what really you, you described it exactly. You're looking for that spark. Where's the, where's the fire come up? But the questions you're asking them don't come out of just anywhere. You already have a picture of the place and what, what is going on there and your, and their relationship to it. So you're starting to get them to image the, that the woman image, what, you know, is it having chickens and being able to, and what does that mean to have eggs and part of being a part of that cycle? What's, um, and when you look for that spark, you, you know, there's something in it that's, that's sourcing new spirit and will, they see themselves, they can see the potential that says they have something to contribute to something larger then you know you've got a place to start to, to work more and say, okay, well, how would, you know, if you image that out, what would you actually see happening? And what would you be able to do if, if, you, if that could happen? I suspect you have those kind of conversations. Yeah, I do, yeah. So it's just that, it's, that's the, all along the motivation line. You're just, you know. Yeah, I love that. They, they can't help but not be a participant yeah. in the process. Yeah. when you engage them in that way yeah i was, I was going to say it reminds me of the, the to me the power of the distinction between a framework in this sense and a procedure formula recipe whatever a model whatever you call it because the, the framework is kind of big enough to actually let what's real where the, where the actual real spark is emerge and 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 it's like it is what it is. That's where the will is. So now we, we're working with something that people can't say, oh, I'm not really into this because you you because the whole point of it is to hone in on the on the good stuff as opposed to a procedure which kind of tries to force yeah. people. Well, well you're you're engaging deeply with them in the living system they're a part of yeah. when you do that, as opposed to going down a checklist, which is a separating element. And you don't have to start. I mean, if you can start the conversation and they've got a long list of this is what we want to do. Great. Okay. So, and if you got that, what would, why that? What's, you know, what's exciting? So you're starting, they start over at goal, but, or they might start at instrument. You know, this is what the way we want to change things. Um, But you've got say, okay, you got to work it back to why, what's the source of what makes turns you on about that why yeah yeah you know, totally. why? and you can you can sort of gently yeah. meander i used to try and kind of grab people and force them back to here but you can you can you can really let the energy beneath what they're sharing if it's their list of design elements exactly. or whatever it is yeah and then then just meander back just like it's almost create a vacuum or a gentle magnetic pull back to to ground or the right place that's exactly what the framework allows us to do is because when you're talking with them they're going to bounce all over the place if they're excited about a project or something or they see a lot of big issues and gently just wherever they start you can you know okay and how about this and bring that in so Mm -hmm. yeah all right so you've got something to play with now with that yeah and what i just offered was there's the generic, which is true of any activity. And then for regenerative development, this is a very specific tetrad that, that we work from. Yeah, and could you, one thing I just wanted to clarify for listeners is, is the, the situations to which this tetrad is relevant or applied. You just said an activity, but could you just say a little bit more about that? When would you pull this out? When, when would you think, well, this is an appropriate place to develop a tetrad? Somebody wants to engage you around creating something, bringing something into being that has more value. That's what we call an activity. So it means it's, you've got to be able to go through a whole set of actions and steps to be able to complete it. And you need to bring together lots of different elements, um, align them, harmonize them to be able to do it. Make sure that the steps keep you moving. All of that's involved in an activity. The three term is more about how do we create dynamic spaces that enable creativity? Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're bringing together those three dimensions, will being and function or the activating, restraining and, and reconciling forces. Yep. How do we begin to bring and hold those together to create the space for something new and, and dynamic to come in? Right. And so I guess sometimes that then births the, an activity. 
that then and then yeah out of that then can come okay now we need to actually sit down and get serious here we got to do something about it yeah yeah and they need to add another uh, yeah another term to it the wing to, yeah. to bring into being yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're getting an idea of how these things work together. Yeah, I, I am. Because Carol's group stopped and I'm yet to pick it up again too, I, there, there was a sense of getting rusty or just me and the frameworks drifting away from each other. So it's been really lovely to have that energy again and to have you the way you've talked about it in the mix. So thank you so much for, for saying yes. Okay, well, it's fun. I, and as I said, I really, I'll be curious to know if, if you use it with your own um, living design process to see what, yeah. gets uh, lifted up for you and what what yeah I'm, i love this stuff i'm looking forward to jumping right in all this stuff i've already got and just yeah just putting it through the wash of this and you know seeing what all falls out good right all, all right. right well great well, it was fun 